0: Hello to everybody out there. Our viewer seems to be on YouTube. Definitely shoot us a comment, let us know where you're watching from. Um, we'll get started very soon. we um, in give some time for everyone to hop on. But the weather definitely looks lovely there, Kassarina. I'm so jealous.
1: Yeah, sorry, you can see the ocean in the background and sometimes I kind of fib to people. I was like, no, no, it's just a fake background. There's no ocean back behind me, but <laughs> it is. It's a wonderful thing to be in the Bahamas where you're never more than a couple miles away from the sea, um, yeah, and that's certainly what makes our country so special.
0: Definitely, One of the things. Yeah, because I live maybe not right, right on the sea, I'm right on the canal, but I can walk to the beach. So that's always nice. Well, yes. yes. All right, so we have a few viewers. I don't want to hold up too long, I'm sure. You're probably about to go into the ocean later this afternoon, so I will not hold you up. But hello, Patancia and Mallory. Thanks for tuning in. And welcome to our third episode on Season 3 of Siren Sundays. I'm your host, Lashanti the Siren. And today we have the amazing pleasure of having Kasserina McKinney-Lambert on the show, who is the Executive Director of Reef, which is the Bahamas Reef Environment Educational Foundation. So Kasserina, let's jump right in. Tell us a bit about the work you've been doing, your educational background, and a lot of your experience that has brought you to
1: where you are today in marine conservation. Oh my goodness. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on your show, Lashanti. It's really a pleasure to to be here and to connect with you and people who are tuning in, so thank you. Um, I am calling from Eleuthera, um, one of the Eastern islands of the Bahamas, um, and actually the island where where I was born. So I was born and raised in Governor's Harbor, Eleuthera, uh, in the middle of the island. Uh, And it's really it's it's great to to be back home. And um, so I went to school in Governor's Harbor and then I went to school in England for a while. I attended the United World College of the Atlantic, which is an uh, an incredible international school. Uh, A lot of Bahamians have attended some of the United World Colleges. So it's, it's a great group and something to look into if you're a teenager, interested in seeing more of the world. Uh, Then I went to Duke University in North Carolina. I studied marine biology and environmental policy there. And then I came back home. And I worked doing mangrove research and restoration work in Andrus in particular. And I worked at the Island School and taught marine biology at the Island School. And then I joined BRIEF. Awesome. So, what was it that
0: you think, as you were growing up, or maybe even in your teenage adult years, that got you passionate about marine conservation education?
1: Well, I grew up doing a lot of fishing. I love to fish. Um, I would do a lot of spear fishing, and I realized that there were less fish in the ocean um, as time went on. It was quite a dramatic time for me, going from you know a young child where I just got tired of the amount of crawfish that, you know, you'd go out at sunset just to get something for dinner and you'd catch a crawfish within a couple minutes um, and really saw quite a dramatic decline in just in my backyard. So being yep. sort of a, you know, a backyard child scientist saying, what's going on? What's happening? Um, and really trying to understand fisheries um, and realizing that we have regulations in place and that certainly in my neighborhood um, they really weren't being adhered to. And yep. a lot of that was because people didn't know. Um, so recognizing that there are huge knowledge gaps in um, in marine issues and marine marine affairs in general, and that there is a huge opportunity in the Bahamas to address those and improve the livelihoods of people and the lives of people um, by improving the environment.
0: And you know, I think that's something really important to address. A lot of times people, other Bahamians who are not in conservation, think that conservationists are anti-fishing, anti-eating seafood, when really I think that most of us are the ones that love it the most. So have you ever found people thinking that it was a contradiction that you loved fishing, like when you were starting in
1: your marine conservation career? Um, Sometimes, and there are certainly some people who say, well, you shouldn't touch anything. Um, and you should only eat things that are, you know, don't have eyeballs and things like that. Um, that's certainly not not where I've come from. Um, certainly not how I was raised. And I think a connection with the ocean that involves a level of fishing is a really powerful piece of what makes us Bahamian and connects us to to our islands. And there can be sustainable fishing. Um, but we've kind of gone a little bit too far, and we need to, to be careful. Um, we really need to learn from from other countries that have gone further than us and have lost a lot of these species that we love so much in the Bahamas, and say, okay, well, we don't want to be like Florida that lost their conch. You know, what do we really, really need to do to make sure that we don't end up in that situation where we've eaten things faster than they can reproduce, and um, and we <laughs> we don't have them anymore? So, um, yeah. I think a lot of the, you know the biggest um, supporters of conservation are people who do um, care about being able to harvest sustainably. Definitely. Um, and I think that's so important
0: to even make that connection with people who, may think that conservationists are against them when really you know it's really showing people that we're honestly fighting for the very same thing we want fishermen to be able to keep fishing we just want this to be able to happen sustainably and over a long period of time and i think the work that you guys have been doing at brief has been so good in in putting out these messages and putting out the information that's necessary for people to understand marine conservation and Could you just quickly maybe because I know brief for anyone just tuning in stands for Bahamas Reef Environment Educational Foundation. Can you give us an overview of maybe just like the mission, vision, values? Like what does brief stand for? What is brief all about for people who are probably not very sure?
1: Absolutely. So brief was established in 1993. We've been around for quite a long time. Um, And our mission is to promote the conservation of the Bahamian marine environment that sustains our way of life. So really from the get-go, thinking about how humans and the environment are connected. This is not just an environmental organization, this is an organization about people um, and sustaining this this way of life in the Bahamas. Um, BRIEF was founded by um, Sir Nicholas Nuttall, um, who's actually an Englishman married to a Bahamian um, and spent much of his life in the Bahamas. And he realized pretty early on that You know, of course, the Bahamas is 95 percent underwater, um, but the vast majority of Bahamians actually hadn't been underwater, didn't have an appreciation of the ocean um, a lot of the time because they never went swimming, didn't have a chance to do that um, and realized that that was a big barrier to conservation action. If You've never seen something and you're terrified of it. You really don't have any interest in protecting it. So kind of shifting that mindset of the ocean as being something to be afraid of towards the ocean as being something that, hey, this is wonderful. We love it. It's beautiful. It's valuable. um, And it sustains our life throughout the archipelago. So our our vision is a Bahamas where all people appreciate the value of our seas and take action to protect it. Um, So it's a sort of combined vision that includes knowledge and awareness but then doesn't leave it there and says, well, actually it's not good enough just to know something. You actually have to take action to protect it. So BRIEF works in a number of different areas. Uh, Education is huge. We do a lot of education at lots of different levels Um, in the school system from little tiny kids all the way up to university kids. uh, We do a lot in outreach, um, particularly in fishery stuff, working with fisheries, working with fisheries enforcement Um, enforcement officers working with fishermen um, and consumers as well. So this is certainly a time to talk about Nassau Grouper and, you know, consumers play a role in that. Um, But then also doing research, looking at, certainly at conch, um, looking at Nassau Grouper Mm -hmm. and then looking at coral nurseries and growing coral through our, our nurseries. And then really tying that in with policy. So realizing that there are some... Um, environmental policies that need to be adjusted based on the times that may have been created a long time ago and that need to be adjusted and some that don't exist at all that need to be created and so really helping um, guide that through good decision making and science-based decision making especially
0: right and i do want to just point out the comment that eric made you know you guys have done so many training of educators i remember i had a high school teacher that had gone to san salvador to do the training session that you guys used to run back in the past and i know you guys had hit a goal of uh, i correct
1: me if i'm wrong um an educator per island or well, i think um yeah so so early on brief was running marine conservation teacher training workshops right realizing that we don't have enough we don't have enough people in our organization to train everybody in the country And there's power in training in educating educators and really empowering them with the skills and the tools and um and the experiences needed to teach their students teachers are a really special group of people Um, wherever you go around the world and certainly in the bahamas teachers are the backbone of our communities and there's so so from from the get go before I even got involved with grief, which is quite a long time ago. Um, we were holding teacher training workshops in San Salvador out at Gerace two week long intensive training workshops and really targeting teachers who had never been in the water before. So these teachers would, you know, the first day they might go up to their knees and the next day up to their waist and you know by the end of the course it was really hard to get them out of the water i mean it was just a transformative experience and all of a sudden you put the mask on your face and you look underwater and you come up spluttering and you realize there's a whole world 95 percent of our country is suddenly open to me um, that wasn't open before so i am just i'm so proud of the these courageous teachers some of whom are in their you know fifth decade of life and you know they think they're they've seen it all and all of a sudden oh my mm-hmm. gosh this is incredible um I can be a mermaid myself and and then that power and enthusiasm gets translated to their students so we've had we've had teachers um and we actually reached our goal a couple of years ago of having at least one brief trained teacher in every school across the country so um oh, kind of Every school across the country had at least one. Now, of course, people move around a little bit. And so some schools have more than one and some schools don't have any. So, it's, you know, there's there's lots of work to be done. But we got to that point and we said, OK, this is, you know, this is a, a landmark. And, you know, it really was inspiring to keep track of what these teachers were doing and how they were, you know, leading discovery clubs, as Eric's mentioned, and you know, it's their students who are entering the science competitions and are doing all of these things because you just see this passion from their teachers spilling over into their students. So that's something that we're, we're really proud of and we're really proud of all the participants from those workshops.
0: Yeah, I think that's so powerful because although, you know, I always tell people, unfortunately, most of our country can't swim, like you said, once you kind of unlock that in someone, especially someone like an educator, if they're inspired and they're motivated and they're like enthusiastic about this, then that passes on to their students. And that's really where we need that curve to start turning. Because if kids are afraid to go in the water, then they'll never, like you said, they'll never experience 95% of what our country has to offer. So that is an amazing statistic to have. I didn't know it was every school. I just thought it was like, okay, one on every island or a few on every island, but Every school yeah. in the country. That's amazing. And that's such a great accomplishment to have under brief. Um, and I know you guys are also responsible for our best scholars. And I've actually met a lot of great interns that have come through that program. Can you tell some of the people who are watching what is best? And I know it's actually open for applications
1: now, if I'm correct. It is, the deadline is tomorrow. So if you're still on the fence and you're like, I've almost got my application together, but um, I'm missing one thing, please reach out to BRIEF and um, let's make sure we, we get that in tomorrow. Um, yes. So first is the Bahamas Environmental Steward Scholars Program, and it's a collaboration that's been going on for about 12 years now, between BRIEF and the Cape Luka Island School and working with partners throughout from Friends of the Environment and BNT, and we're about to send an intern to Carl Vita in Grand Bahama and um, all sorts of you know, the Bahamas Sea Turtle Network. Um, we've had interns who've done stuff with the Department of Marine Resources, and it's a 100 day semester at the Island School. So they join a full Island School semester and then they also do a four month paid internship with grief, where they also get research opportunities with other organizations. And um, it's just, it's a really exciting program. It's for students who have, or are about to graduate from high school. So um, they apply in their final semester of high school uh, in 12th grade. And it's kind of a, a gap year program between finishing high school and then going off to university. So, um, we've had, uh, I think, over um, 60 students, no, 50 students who've taken part in this year long program so far. And these kids are just dynamos. I mean, these really are the next leaders of the Bahamas. I, I have hope whenever I see these kids, I'm like, oh, phew, I can retire and I can, you know, go. Go, go swim on the beach every day. And um, the Bahamas is in good hands from an environmental perspective um, because exactly. these young people are just okay. doing everything. Um And I see Mallory who coordinates the program. Um, she has reminded me that all of our four best interns are going to the Island School today. They are starting their semester today. Oh, um, and we're, we're very, we're very happy. And Trueranda, who of course was a former best scholar um is uh doing incredible things and so we see these kids we see these not kids these young adults who've started their own ecotourism company like furanda mm. and who are doing you know advanced degrees and are getting involved in in things often in the environment field um but whatever they do even if it's not they are still connected and grounded in the environment so yeah. we have one former Best Scholar, who's an EMT, um, working at Doctor's Hospital on the front lines of the the COVID um, situation, Um, and he still always comes back and volunteers at Ruth. So once you've been a Best Scholar, then you are always (laughs) getting roped into things. Yeah. But I
0: think that just what you said is important that grounding even if they're not someone that ends up working directly into the marine conservation field or just marine science field in general it's grounded them it's it's made them understand their connection to the environment and their part that they play in this big ecosystem you know in our country so yeah even and I always tell people you don't have to work in marine science to be a marine conservationist it's just as simple as making positive actions and changes to your life to help benefit the environment that we all live in. So the best program like Catherine said, if you are interested in applying for that, the deadline's tomorrow, so <laughs> get on it or submit. It.
1: Right. If you have show anything. right now and write your application. No, no, finish the end of the show and then get your application. Yeah. In. So
0: <laughs> definitely.
1: But all the information's on the brief website. Go to the brief website and then you can see in the section for students uh, the applications there. So And, yeah, I think your point is, you know, this is not just for people who want to be a marine biologist when they grow up. That is not what we're not trying to create a whole crop of, you know, Mm -hmm. scientists. We're trying to create a whole generation of people who, whatever field, whether they want to be a lawyer or whether they want to be a, a doctor or an engineer or, you know, the prime minister of the Bahamas. It's really important to have this understanding of how we are connected to the environment and um and how we can how we can protect it in order to protect our way of life in the bahamas right
0: definitely and i know you guys actually have another program i saw you guys were recently posting about called the young reporters program am i calling the name correctly yeah um
1: so this is a program that we love we love all our programs but this one is especially cool um, because it teaches young people to think like an investigative reporter. And um, sometimes in, in our traditional school system, you know, children are are fed information and given lots of information, but not challenged to really be curious and ask questions. Uh, we know that children, when they're born, are very curious. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And this program sort of fosters that curiosity and welcomes that and says, yes, we want you to look at the environment around you and ask questions, um, keep asking questions, never give up asking questions. Um, right. And then think about how you can communicate that in, a, in an effective way. And so we do a competition every year and it uh, challenges young people to either take a photograph and do a you know heavy text or write an essay. Uh, and sometimes we do videos as well um, in this Young Reporters Program on an environmental issue in your community and thinking about solutions. So how do you ask questions? How do you come up with solutions? And how do you communicate effectively about it? And um, it's a program that we run in the Bahamas, but it's also part of a program that's connected um, around the world. So there are young reporters for the environment in I think about 50 countries around the world. Oh, wow. And um, actually one of my first interactions with this program was a group of students who came to the Bahamas from France and they were in the young reporters for the environment um, program in their school. And they wanted to learn about marine protected areas and mangroves and coral reefs. And so they reached out to brief and they actually came to the Bahamas and and learned about our ecosystems here. So it's it's also an opportunity for our Bahamian students to connect on on a global level with other students around the world who may be dealing with similar issues. you know we have issues with water in the Bahamas, fresh water um, mm-hmm. but kids in sub-Saharan Africa also have issues with fresh water and kids in Scotland um, may have different issues with water than we do. Um, yeah. but being able to see how the world is connected is is a really exciting thing.
0: Yeah, and I think that type of exposure is really so important for our youth and just for any Bahamian to understand that that we are a small part of such a larger world. And, and unfortunately, many don't get the opportunity maybe to like go off to school or even just travel and meet people. But this sounds like such a great program to get people connected and get these kids connected to this global network of other students who are like-minded that could even help kind of expand their thinking as well Um so yeah, that yeah. sounds like an exciting program that I hope to see a lot of things come out of because it's definitely moving in that direction of science communications, right? It's it's something that a lot of people are like, oh, well, what is science communications? But this is one of those things where you get people talking about these environmental issues and connecting the gaps with the knowledge gaps between what's going on in the environment, let's understand what this is, and let's find the solutions for the challenges that we have um, and bring it all to the forefront. Yeah, But let's see, um, there's some like- comments. I see. I see
1: those comments. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like these programs. Um, but I just do want to point out that the young reporters for the environment program is being supported by the Jeff Small Grants program for this oh, um, this first year. So shout out to to Jeff Small Grants um, for helping get this program off the ground. And uh, yeah, we're we're very excited about it.
0: Right. So before I move on, I do want to quickly get back to the question that we have from Dr. Oh. Davis um the experience really connects them with the environment can you start a scholarship program for ministers of parliament and i'm wondering (laughs) uh, kind of like i guess a teacher's training workshop but for members of parliament is that i think that's what he was i think
1: yes so outreach and education has to happen at all levels and one of the things that i find really exciting well just taking a step back um sir nicholas who founded Brief tells the funniest stories of taking people from the Ministry of Tourism out to go snorkeling on coral reefs. And, you know, you're promoting a tourism product, uh, and so many people come to the Bahamas to go snorkeling and diving on our reefs. It's kind of hard to promote something if you haven't seen it for yourself. So Sir Nick tells these stories of you know carrying people on his back. You know, he was in the, in the British military back in the day, and he would you know, taking people out, you know, pulled on his arms, you know, one on each side to say, look, you have to come see the reef. You can't be in tourism without actually going out and experiencing the coral reef firsthand. Then you can talk about it. Then you're going to be excited about it. And um, so there are definitely opportunities. We welcome people from all different backgrounds. Um, Would love to do a cabinet meeting out on a snorkel trip. Um, Mm -hmm. That would be super fun. Um, But we've had a lot of people out to go snorkeling who don't know how to swim. And they are, you know, everybody who's in any of our programs is wearing a flotation vest. And um, we took, you know, we've taken all sorts of people out. We took out the the Caribbean Biodiversity Fund members out and some of them knew how to swim and some of them didn't. And they all had an incredible time out at the sculpture garden. Um, seeing something up close and personal firsthand. So yes, I think we we welcome anybody who wants to get out on the water. Um, uh, yep, cabinet ministers especially. Yeah. And can you actually now that you bring up the sculpture garden, can you
0: talk a bit about what that is and when that was established? I've actually visited maybe twice. I think I've been out there and it's such a beautiful, I think I heard the name's the Ocean Atlas,
1: if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. Is that the big statue? So in 2005 14, we created the Coral Reef Sculpture Garden in the waters off New Providence. Uh, this program was a long time coming. It was actually the idea of a young man called Willis Tynes, who was a 13-year-old student from I can't remember which school in Nassau. Oh, my goodness. Um, Mallory's on. She probably remembers, and she'll put it in the chat. Um, and he won the International Year of the Reef Stamp Competition that Reef did back in 2000 and, no, 95, I think it was. And he came back, um, he actually went off to university. He studied art. He's now a professor in Minnesota teaching art and doing his own incredible art. Um, this is pulling in the Bahamian diaspora here. And um, Willis, he came back to me. I remember so clearly sitting in my office and this bright young Bahamian artist said, "I have this idea. I want to create something. I want to give back to the um, to the environment and, and you know give back to brief that you know really got him on his on his way to being an artist." Yeah. And he said, "I met this guy called um, Jason DeCaris Taylor, um, a British Guyanese artist, and let's go reach out to him and get him to do something." And I thought it was a bit of a crazy idea. Um, but, you know, I said, okay, we'll make a plan, go reach out to him, let's let's do it. And um, so <laughs> many things happened to get us along the way. Um, but we ended up creating the coral reef, the brief coral reef sculpture garden and coral nursery and Ocean Atlas, which is the biggest sculpture there, is still the largest underwater sculpture in the world. Um, it's very cool. It's modeled on a young 13-year-old Bahamian girl who is holding up the ocean on her shoulders. And she is the future. She is holding the the future of the Bahamas and and the future of the world on her shoulders. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a really cool sculpture. It is now turning into this living reef because there's corals and sponges and sea fans and all sorts of stuff growing on it now. Um, And we created it to help drive the creation of the Southwest Marine Managed Area, which was then established in 2015. Yeah. And to take some of the pressure off the natural reefs, um, if you can create an artificial reef that takes some of that that pressure off, some of the diver pressure, um, but also creates a world-renowned tourism attraction and brings people to the Bahamas um, and is an opportunity for us to teach people about the importance of coral reefs, uh, to teach people about the threats to coral reefs, uh, mm-hmm. climate change obviously being the really, really big one, um, and you know thinking about fossil fuels and our... Uh, shifting away from being so dependent on fossil fuels uh, but also an opportunity to talk about overfishing to talk about um, anchor damage to talk talk about pollution um, oil pollution and um generally <laughs> there has been there has been i see the questions in there um yeah. the oil is a lot better um than it was but it has not yet fully been cleaned up yeah. So we continue <laughs> to advocate for a, a, a final solution for the oil, yeah. um, and um, and ultimately really recognizing that we need to be the country that's powered by the sun. We need to get away from fossil fuels um, because we are so dependent on um, on the ocean, and we're so low lying. We're one of the most vulnerable countries in the world mm-hmm. to um, to see to climate change, and hurricanes and strong hurricanes and sea level rise and all of these things that go along with it.
0: Right. And so we do have a question about the glass bottom boat for viewing or for people who are not trained to dive.
1: Um, So we put the sculpture garden in a place that's accessible from shore and it's in water depth that's very accessible um, for snorkeling, not just scuba diving. Right. So there aren't glass-bottom boats that go out there right now, um, and it would be because it because the Ocean Atlas comes right up to the surface. It would be quite hard to see all of it by a glass-bottom boat, um, but it's very accessible by people who are um, snorkeling, um, yeah. and you know you can even see it going old school from a water glass over the edge of a boat because um, yeah. it's only about 25 feet of water. Mm-hmm. So. Um, we intentionally put it in a place where it's really accessible. We take thousands of students, not last year because of the challenges last year, but on a usual year, um, mm-hmm. we take thousands of students out there. And it's its an underwater classroom. You know, it's yeah. really exciting to have a place where students can go and learn and they don't have to be in a classroom with four walls. This, this is an underwater classroom. Yeah,
0: and I've actually been out there and... And when you get there, you can, like you said, it's accessible from shore. You just kind of walk out. So, and that's my aunt. Don't worry, Denise. I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you how to get out there. We can maybe go one day, but it definitely is one of those things where it's it's amazing just to kind of just float on top with your snorkel on, and just look at it. And it's oh man, it's
1: it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, the other thing you get to see out there is the coral nursery. And mm-hmm. so in 2015, we uh, put out one of our coral nurseries there. And so it's one of the few coral nurseries that you can actually see from, you can swim to from shore. Again, very intentional. We want this to be accessible to, you know, New Providence is where the majority of our population live. We'd like everybody to get out and see it. And um, so you can swim out, you can have a look at these corals that are growing suspended in the water column. Um, We're growing Acropora cervicornis, which is the staghorn coral. And um, they're growing on little monofilament pieces of fishing line suspended from a PVC pipe. And they grow very well because there aren't predators that can reach them there. Um, They're getting light from all sides. They're getting good water flow. And then we take those coral fragments and we put them out to grow on the reef. So when you swim out there, you'll see the coral trees. Um, Sometimes they have corals that are really, really big. And then when we prune them back, um, they get small again and then they (laughs) grow back. Um, And you see around the reefs nearby where we've outplanted corals. Um, And I do have to put a plug out there for anybody who hasn't got their loved one's uh, Valentine's Day presents. um, (laughs) We're doing a special Valentine's Day Adopt-a-Coral special. Um, So check it out from the brief Facebook page and you can adopt a coral and your loved one will feel that enduring love that will last forever um because they will be able to go out and have a look at at the corals that they've supported so please adopt coral definitely better than buying someone a star at least the coral is close enough for you to go out there and see (laughs) you can go check it out we have lots of adoption plans available some of them even come with a snorkel trip out to go see your your adoptee and uh, a little tag that has your adoptee's name on it Um, We've had some very special people who've been adopting corals for their grandchildren and uh, all all your loved ones. Um, This is the best place to get Christmas presents, birthday presents, Valentine's Day presents that don't come wrapped in plastic packaging that will end up in the dump.
0: There you go. and benefits the country as well. (laughs) Definitely. So, and I have a wow from my aunt, yes, you Mm -hmm. have to go get your grandson one. So <laughs> when it we comes to, to get her out,
1: okay, you're invited.
0: <laughs> yeah, we well, are definitely inviting my aunt out. She's going to go out there. I'm pretty sure she can swim. So we're going to do that this summer for sure. Um, but besides adopting a coral, how can people get involved and help support Brief in their efforts?
1: Um, lots of ways. Um, there's uh, certainly um, we encourage people to... Share the information that they know. Um, get involved with some of our brief programs. Um, we often do when we can. When <laughs> we're not in COVID lockdown, we do. Oppor- we have opportunities for people to come out and snorkel with us. And um, these are open. They're free. They're open to the public to come and either try snorkeling for the first time. We have really talented people who will take you out there and. Make you feel very comfortable, um, or if you already know how to um, snorkel, um, you can go out and have a bit of a guided tour. We also have a bunch of materials like this guide to the reef fish of the Bahamas. Um, you can learn, and uh, you know, learning about what you're seeing, I think, really sends the sends the message home. So um, we usually do those quarterly. Um, students also can sign up for school field trips. And um, during COVID and post-Dorian, we've shifted to doing a lot of those online. So we've switched to virtual trips and virtual classes. And so students who are listening, ask your teacher to um, to sign up for a a presentation. And when we're able to meet in person, um, please join us for one of our field trips and our summer camps and things like that. for other people who would like to support our work, BRIEF is a non-profit, non-governmental organization, and we're fully dependent on donations from individuals, from companies, um, and grants from foundations. So if you're feeling inspired, um, please support BRIEF financially as well. You can make a donation through the website. And um, it's I, I can't overestimate, uh, overstate how, um, how valuable this is, and we really couldn't do our work without people who love the ocean and say, "Hey, I want to, I want to support um, the organizations um, that are protecting it." So, so those are those are two things, um, and then also, you know, abiding by the regulations. You know, we we say this over and over again, but you know, I went to a restaurant the other day, and they're serving you know freshly caught Nassau grouper during the closed season, and it's just. Incredibly frustrating, Um, and so you know when you see something like that, please ask the restaurant to hold off at least until March first, and don't serve Nassau grouper during the closed season. Um, You know, don't buy undersized conch, Um, don't buy the conch that have a thin lip. Make sure that you know when you're getting conch from the from the dock, make a point and say, I'm only going to eat those ones. I'm not going to buy those ones that are illegal and undersized. Right. Um, and, you know, undersized crawfish. I mean, sometimes people joke about it. Like, oh, well, these ones, these little crawfish, they're really tasty. They're shrimp. And, you know, we as a, as a people. I've never heard that. Uh-huh. <laughs> we as a people have to stand up and say, you know what? Actually, we need to let these creatures grow big enough to reproduce. Um, we need to be, um, we need to eat these things. We need to give these things a chance to reproduce um, before we eat them all up. So, um, and then there's so many things that you can do in your everyday life, you know, simple, simple stuff that adds up, you know, whether it's reducing your electricity consumption, um, thinking about single use plastics. We work closely with Crystal Ambrose and and a lot of that. Um, Support our network of protected areas, go visit a national park. There are some, you know, people are like, well, I'm bored, what should I do? Well, you know, go to Bonefish Pond. go to the Primeval Forest, go to, you know, get outside. Go and enjoy the environment. Um, so that's that's something we're encouraging people to do every day. Yeah.
0: And I think that was, if there were any, that was one of the benefits that we saw through this pandemic. Like I've seen so many people start to take the time to actually just go outside. Um, luckily, the Bahamas National Trust has been advertising their um, Explore Your Park program. So I know Primeval Forest is open all day on Saturday. I'm sure if you go out there, you'll be able to get a tour from a lovely guide out there. Um, the retreat's still there. You have Bonefish Pond opening as well on certain days. Like you pointed out earlier, you have True, who runs these eco tours where you can go kayaking in a national park and learn about these things. And I think such a bigger message. Right. Like we just don't understand. A lot of us don't understand how how amazing um, our backyard is, like between ocean and terrestrial environment. It's just especially primal forest is actually my personal favorite in New Providence because it's really cool. You step into it and you don't even think that you're in nassau anymore and i specifically nassau because you just you're so used to big city life well you don't know about that anymore you know luther now (laughs) but yeah stepping into primeval forest you really just you get to see that these huge trees and just being in the environment is so important guys so take that away from this among anything else
1: (laughs) yeah also yeah yeah sorry what were you gonna say No, no, just just, you know, getting out there and, you know, remembering that we are this this huge country that, you know, if you can, if you're planning a a holiday, you know, and you're thinking about whether you want to go to Miami or Fort Lauderdale or Orlando, um, (laughs) think about the other islands in the Bahamas. Um, And I really, really and I'm not just saying that because I'm from Eleuthera, which is the best island. um, But think about there. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, sorry. That just slipped out. I can't help it. It's true, though. Um, But think about getting to another island. I mean, we have such diversity in our country, and it's diversity of marine life, um, incredible terrestrial life as well. Um, And, you know, our islands are all different. You know, you can't just say, well, I've been to an out island, so I've seen it all. You know, I mean, Inagua is spectacular. Um, Getting over to, you know, Abaco, get to, you know, Eleuthera and, you know, this is really how we can help support the recovery of our country of right. saying, you know, hey, I want to go visit this this protected area on, you know, Cat Island or Andros, and um, and realize that we have something so special in in our own country. So Definitely. encourage you to visit. I certainly encourage everybody to speak up. Uh, This is something that I see time and time again, that we have to remind our elected officials that we care about the environment. And it sounds kind of silly that we need to say this, but, you know, the reality is is that sometimes they don't realize that that we care about it. (laughs) Um, And a letter to an elected official saying, well, you know, tell me what you think about marine protected areas and about, you know, this is how I feel about this. This is important. Um, It's important to to my livelihood. It's important to my future and my children's future. Um, So speak up. Um, I know I've certainly been um, speaking up and and many others in our country on the issue of oil drilling and saying, hang on, (laughs) you know, asking a lot of questions. I've certainly got a a lot of, you know, (laughs) shots headed my way for asking questions. Um, but you know, keep doing it. Um, it's the way forward. I've asked questions about insurance coverage and you know license fees and things like that, and and so have many, many, many others. Um, so certainly, uh, we encourage people to to make your opinions heard. And um, as far as the the oil drilling situation is concerned, you know, we're really pushing for a full ban on on yeah. drilling, um, and um, we're. Hearing from people who are in bone fishing, and ecotourism, and restaurants, and um, conservation organizations around the country um, and around the world that are saying, "Yeah, we're with you on this." We, you know, so so please make your opinions heard and um, and keep asking questions.
0: Yeah, don't underestimate the power of one voice. It only takes one step to begin walking, and I think that's definitely important. Um, but what would you say? to anyone listening, whether they are youth or an adult who is interested or aspiring to work in conservation, marine conservation or environmental science, like what advice would you give to somebody who is thinking that this is the career path that I want to be on? I want to be like Hacerina.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but <laughs> it's hard. It's uh, you, It. I've been seeing that, you know, it, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> It's very rewarding. It's it's very it's challenging, um, but you know the the rewards way outweigh <laughs> the challenges. Um, I would say get experience. I would say talk to people in the field. Um, get involved with an organization. Um, volunteer with brief, Volunteer with B N T. With Friends of the Environment. With um, anybody who's doing anything. Get out there and get some experience. Um, You might think you want to be a marine biologist and then you spend three days waiting around in the mud trying unsuccessfully to catch and tag turtles. And it's really useful to know, actually, this is not what I want to do with my career. Um, And so, you know, try it out, try different things um, and realize that these fields are very connected. So Mm -hmm. we need people who are interested in conservation and conservation finance and conservation communication. And media and technology and all of these areas, you don't need to be a field biologist to, to do this. So think about how the, the other areas that you're interested in are connected to the environment. Um, maybe you're an artist and you wanna do you know linkages between art and conservation. So be creative, think about um, different ways of approaching things. Um, just because we've done things in one way in the past doesn't mean that that's the way we should be doing it going forward. Um, And I think conservation communication is just absolutely essential. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Definitely. Get experience doing that. Write lots of letters to the editor as well. Get practice writing. Um, If you live in a bigger country, it's much harder to, first of all, reach your elected officials um, because your representative may be representing millions of people, and in the Bahamas, your elected official may be representing a couple thousand people. Um, You have a lot more access um, to communicate with your elected officials. And um, you also have an opportunity to get your voices out there, call into radio talk shows, um, write letters to the the newspapers and you'll find that often they're published. Um, If you try to do that to the New York Times, your chances of getting published is a lot less than any (laughs) newspaper, but you write to Bahamian newspapers and, Um, they're likely to be published. So please do that if you're thinking about this field. Definitely, your voice can
0: and will be heard for sure. But Mm -hmm. thanks so much. I don't know if you have any final thoughts, any last words for our audience. I don't see any other questions popping up. So
1: yeah, that's Um, (laughs) right. Yeah, and and get out in the water, you know, um, spend as much time as you can. You know, you look at other people around the world who they're chipping ice from their, you know, potential place where they could swim. And, you know, we're so lucky here to be in a place where we can be in the water year round and we can get kids out in the field. Um, I just want to mention one other program that I I really love, um, which is the Eco Schools program. Okay. And um, it's uh, a sustainable schools program that we run in the Bahamas, and if uh, we certainly encourage more schools to join the program, we have about 34 in the Bahamas that are that are members of the Eco Schools program. Okay. Joining uh, close to 20 million children around the world who are doing it globally, um, and these Eco Schools are looking at environmental challenges. And coming up with solutions in their own schools that they can then translate to their communities. So a lot of schools have looked at alternative energy. They've looked at energy efficiency um, and things that they can take back to their own households, um, save on their electricity bill and reduce their carbon footprint, um, but also to their com- to their communities. Um, my children go to go to an eco school. They go to Deep Creek Middle School on Eleuthera and they do a program where they spend weeks at a time out of the classroom. So it's a program called School Without Walls. And they get a chance to do lionfish dissections and learning about stingrays and what lives in algae and all sorts of things that I didn't even know. I'm, I'm still learning some of the things they're doing. and. Um, it's a way to have hands-on learning in a very COVID safe way. Um, obviously being outside is, um, is the best thing that you can do when you want to um, <laughs> keep away from people. Yeah. Um, so uh, just a shout out to teachers to, um, to get outside, get your kids outside um, as much as possible.
0: Awesome. So thank you so much, Kesarina, for taking some time out and time away from your beautiful view outside to come Mm -hmm. and talk with me and tell us about Brief and the wonderful work that you guys have been doing with youth. Um, Thank you to all who have been viewing. Please continue to watch Siren Sunday, support Brief however you can. And stay tuned because I will actually be hosting a beach cleanup this Saturday on the 20th of February with Dr. Ancelino Davis from Science and Perspective and a UB student named Kerwin Mullings. So more information about that cleanup is gonna get posted today, first time ever. So stay tuned for that if you wanna come out and join these efforts. It's important for us to remember that our terrestrial environment is very connected to our marine environment. So we have to keep one clean to keep the other functioning well. Also remember, you know, we are not separated by the ocean. It's what connects us to each other and to the environment. And have a beautiful Sunday. Happy Valentine's Day.
1: (laughs) Thank you, thank you. And Kerwin was also a best scholar, I have to say. So um, I'm very (laughs) glad that you're doing that. Um, Listen, you're scholars everywhere. They're great. Everywhere. (laughs) Everywhere. (laughs) All right, thank you so much for having
0: me. You're welcome. Bye. Thank you guys for watching.